Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us, and we're the hosts of The Mom Hour. On this show, we're joined by a team of unique mom voices from across the country and in different stages of motherhood to bring you tips, ideas, and encouragement, and to help you feel a little less alone. We all know that motherhood is a lot easier when real moms share honest truths and remind each other that it's all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 410 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers, and I'm really excited today to be joined by Katie Goldner from our team at the Mom Hour. Hey, Katie. Hey, Sarah. So Megan has the week off, and I am very excited about this conversation. We're talking all about Disney today, um, and Katie, you are in the middle of planning, <laughs> or maybe you're getting close to being done planning a big Disney trip for your family, and we're really going to lean on you today because I want to hear all about the planning you've done, and I'll also have some things to share about my family's Disney experience in the past. Um, so I can't wait to dive in, but I don't think officially the podcast audience has met you, Katie. Our team knows you um, and you've been with us for coming up on a year this spring, but why don't you introduce yourself um, to the Mom Hour audience? Sure. Well, thanks so much for having me today, Sarah. I'm really excited to talk all things Disney with you. Um, I am Katie Goldner from Central Pennsylvania. I married my high school sweetheart, Jason, so I have been with him longer than I haven't at this point in our lives. And we, <laughs> right? <laughs> and we have two children, Chloe, who is eight and in third grade, and our son, Dawson, who is four and in preschool. And you work full-time um, in addition to work you do here on the Mom Hour. So you joined our team on the Mom Hour to help with all kinds of behind-the-scenes things, getting podcast episodes and social media content and blog content ready for publication. So I've gotten to know you over the last almost year. But when you came to us, this this is a little side hustle for you. So talk <laughs> a little bit about your full-time working mom gig. Yeah, so I actually found the mom hour during the pandemic when I was at home working full-time with two littles and, oh. you know, the world was turned upside down. And I just felt like it was such an escape and it was such a wonderful community and I just felt so great being a part of it. And so I reached out to you. I 
I've been working full time in communications and marketing for an insurance company, which is a wonderful job and I love it, but it's, you know, the content's not quite as fun as mom hour stuff. So it has been such a joy to be a part of the team here and get to work on some of this great content that you and Megan are kind of spearheading for all of us. Well, I have so enjoyed working with you for the last year or so. And I do think it's worth mentioning that you have a full-time job. In addition to this, I'm always so impressed at the way that you prioritize and juggle. So um, we just are excited to have you here. I also bring up the working mom thing because this Disney vacation you have coming up has been like an entire other side hustle to plan. And we're going to get into that. I'm guessing like you probably enjoy the the extra planning and maybe not everybody would choose to do it the way you have. I'm sure you can kind of outsource or travel agent some of this, but you have chosen to make this basically like your hobby the last couple of months, right? Oh, yeah. I would say that it's almost been like an additional side hustle for me <laughs> would probably be the most accurate way to describe it or how my husband would describe it for me. <laughs> well, and as we'll get into, like that is because that's fun for you. It may not be for everybody. Um and my my own Disney planning and Disney experiences in the past have not been quite as gung-ho as yours and we're going to talk about all of those things. Um so before we get into your Disney planning and what you've been doing, let's both share like our own Disney experiences as a kid, because we know we bring those forward into expectations for our own families. And then if we have taken our kids to Disney as moms yet, um, share that as well. So how about you? Like, what was your Disney as a kid experience? So sadly, I really don't have any Disney experiences as a child. Um, Growing up in central Pennsylvania, I had Hershey Park in my backyard. Okay. And so I know to some people that kind of feels Disney-like. Um, on a much smaller scale, of course, but we spent a lot of time there and Disney was just never something that we prioritized in my family growing up. And it was more about the beach and hanging out at Hershey Park or Closer Park. So I think that this vacation is just a little bit of me living my childhood dreams through Disney (laughs) for my own children. So I love it. And they have not yet been to Disney World or Disneyland at all, right? They have not. And I was there one time in college, actually, with my best friend. But I came down with strep throat while there and spent more time in the hotel than in the actual park. So this is my redemption trip. So I'm doing all of the things, Sarah. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) And um, I think that it makes sense why you would just want to, like, do it all this time because you didn't really do it as a kid and your kids haven't done it yet. And they're at such fun Disney ages. Um, so for me, I'm a, I'm mostly a West coast person. I lived, I did live in the Midwest as a young adult, but grew up on the West coast. Um, when I was really little, we lived in Oregon and then we moved to Santa Barbara when I was in kindergarten and Santa Barbara is about two and a half to three and a half hour drive to Disneyland. And so I remember as soon as we were kind of settled that first year, probably that we lived in California, My brother and I were perfect. I mean, we were six and four, seven and five. And so we would go to Disneyland maybe like once a year-ish, but just for the day or maybe an overnight and and hit the park again the next day. 
We're going to get into this a lot in this episode, but Disneyland California is quite different from Florida. And when you can go as a day trip, your planning is very different than what you're doing going for like, you know, several days. But my memory as a kid is about once a year. Often we would go if we had family visiting us from other parts of the country or the Pacific Northwest, they'd come down and then that would be a fun thing to do all together is go to Disney. Um, when I got older, it was common in school to do a Disney day with like your chorus. Like my oh, sixth fun. grade chorus would do Disney for a day. In high school, the gra- like graduation night would go to Disney overnight. They open it up for high school seniors and you actually go all night, which is really, really fun. What a neat experience. Yeah. So on the one hand, I went to Disney. I'm going to say, I have no idea. Let's just say eight to 10, 12 times in my growing up. But never in the way that we're going to talk about where it's like, this is our week-long family vacation. Always just for one day, maybe, maybe. I think when I was a kid, I remember staying in the Disneyland Hotel once where we might have done a couple of days. But otherwise, we were only a couple hours away. So um, we just would drive and go and come home. And so we'll, we'll talk more about that. And then for my kids, it's kind of the same. We lived in Orange County for six years Um when they were starting, when they were like two, four and six, all the way up through the pandemic, they were like seven, nine and 11. And so in that five to six year period, my kids also went several times, but always for the day. And so we're like, you and I could not be more different here, (laughs) both in the, in the way we experienced it. And then also like for you, the way you're planning it, I've never done it the way you're about to do it. So I'm going to have many questions. Yeah. And I can't imagine doing it the way you do it just because I'm, it, so not natural for me to just hop on over and go to Disney. So I know. Well, we have lots <laughs> to talk about. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of factor meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah. And for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle. Whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keeps pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. 
and the Willa slip on flat. One of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa slip on flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. All right, Katie, get comfortable. You're kind of on the hot seat for this first part of the episode (laughs) um, because you have just been deep into the Disney planning. And I know you've done a ton of research and like, I think I'm just, you're going to be such a resource for our listeners. So I'm just going to ask you a bunch of questions about your upcoming trip. And as we move through, we'll end up touching on like dining and accommodations and seeing characters and all those things. So, um, let's dive in with just the basics. When are you going to Disney? We're recording this by the way, in March of 2023, when is this trip coming up and how many days, how, how long is this trip? So we are heading to Florida the end of April. So the last week of April, and we have about five full days while we're there and then two half days. Okay. And, and who all is going? Your, your kids are eight and four, but like who, who's, who's on this bus? <laughs> so we decided to bring our in-laws, my in-laws along with us, um, get along great with them. And my husband, actually, this is a little bit of a work trip that okay. we kind of decided to extend to make it and bring the whole family along to do Disney while we're there. So it was an excuse to go. And that's okay. why we planned it this time of year. And I'm bringing the in-laws because one, I think they'll have such a fabulous time seeing the, yes. their grandchildren enjoying all of the magic and selfishly to help me out a little bit yeah. when my husband's behind closed doors with work. So, <laughs> so of the time that you're there is Jason, does he have some days that he's not working? Is he working the whole time? Is he like doing a little bit of both? Yeah. He only has to be there for a day like a one full work day and then an evening. So we just are doing an off day okay. during that time. Okay, perfect. Um, well, I have done, um, I have had in-laws with me at Disney and I agree it is, especially if they like Disney and, you know, you get along well and all that. It's very, very special to have them part of that. Um, so I'm excited for you. Where are you all flying in and out of airport wise? Like, do you have like a bunch of layovers? I don't even know what airport you would, what would be your home airport. So what's the flying kind of basic itinerary? And then where are you guys staying? Yeah. So flying with littles and Florida is such a short flight from Pennsylvania that I was refusing to do a layover anywhere. So we are actually flying out of Philadelphia instead of Harrisburg, and then we'll fly into Orlando International Airport. So you know, just a quick drive over to Disney from there. Okay. And how far a drive is Philadelphia from where you are? Um, about an hour and 45 minutes. Okay, it's not too bad. bad. Yeah. And then where are you staying? You're staying at the Swan Resort, which mm-hmm. is a Marriott property. And unfortunately, because my husband's entire company has to be here for this meeting, it was booked solid. So my in-laws oh, have no. to stay at the Dolphin, uh-huh. which is the sister resort. So as you will hear that I am very structured in my planning, but like I kind of have to be since we're staying in two different hotels. Yeah. So it's funny. I have never been to Disney World, Florida. And, you know, as I mentioned, I've always lived close to Disneyland. However, I have been to several events at the Swan Dolphin, like 
I don't know, three or four. Um, when I used to work corporate events, it's a big like corporate. It's as you know, it's a big corporate event hotel. And I've stayed there and not even gone over to Disney because I was in my early 20s. I didn't have kids. Um, and then I want to say that Megan and I even maybe had a, like a mom blogging conference at the Swan Dolphin. And we didn't go to Disney then either. So it's funny that there's like a whole a whole section of people who use those Orlando resort hotels, but who are not at all partaking of Disney or maybe you walk to downtown Disney to, for, to get dinner or something, but not ever have park tickets. And I have I have been one of those people. You are missing out, Sarah. I, know, I was. I was. <laughs> but in my defense, I was like 25 to 30 years old with no kids and just working like 14 hour days at a, you know, conference or something. Okay, so. I'll give you a pass. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny to think about. Okay, so we've got kind of the basics. Did I miss any like high level details here? We've kind of now I feel like we've sketched out for the listener, like how long, who's going, where you're staying. And that's you have to have those um, building blocks in place for the fun planning to really begin. So I thought what we could do is go almost day by day and just have you talk through your like what you've planned for the family. And I will be I'll play dumb over here and jump in with questions about like, why did you plan that? Or what are you talking about? So if that sounds good, why don't you just like take us on a Disney journey? Sure. Um, Well, we decided to when we get in there, we'll probably get to the resort around noon or one. So we'll explore that a little bit. But I wanted to do a fun meal for our first night there just to start it off with a bang. Okay. And I was so lucky to get the um, reservation at Storybook Dining at Artist Point, which is the Snow White themed restaurant at the Wilderness Lodge. Now, if you are not familiar with Disney World, you may not know this is a very hard reservation to get. So I'm I was not like, familiar at all. Like you like <laughs> I don't even know. Are We're talking outside the park, right? Like, is yes. this OK? This is at one of the resorts on okay. Disney property. Okay. And dining is a whole thing. Like I was sweating bullets at, you know, 5.59 a.m., 60 days out from <laughs> my vacation because that's when you can book okay. all of your dining for your trip. So, okay, so 60 days out, does it, I already have like, like questions, like yeah. beginner questions. So is it, is it 60 days tied to your park tickets, your hotel reservation? Like, like who decides that you're eligible to make a dining reservation? It's your hotel reservation. Okay. So you need to have that reservation on property okay. at Disney in order to do that. And then you can book it out for your entire trip on that first day, that 60 okay. day out. But if you say off property, um, you would have to try to get dining each individual day, 60 days out from each okay. day. Okay. It's very, it's so complicated. That is. And, and um, so you like put a note on your calendar and you're like, this is the day I'm going to try and get all of my dining reservations. And then you like got on your computer, like getting Taylor Swift tickets or something. It was exactly like getting Taylor <laughs> Swift tickets. Or for me back in the day, I think it was like pink that I uh -huh. would try really hard for. Um, but I also had my husband get up and we were both on laptops and he had his list and I had mine and we were ready to roll. It was like a whole thing. Wow. <laughs> so tell me about this dinner. So it apparently, which I know because I watched YouTube videos about <laughs> the dining to help me make my decisions during our trip. 
but it is like you're eating in a forest and they like shake trees at some point and it kind of sounds like a thunderstorm. Almost reminds me a little like, bit of Rainforest that's Cafe. That's what I was going to say. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then the evil queen comes out and you can take photos with her and they have Grumpy and Dopey mm-hmm. and Snow White there that will come around and interact with you at your table. Okay. And a bonus is that the food is supposed to be amazing. Okay. So usually these character meals, what I'm hearing is that you're paying just for the experience, but the food's kind of eh. But this one's supposed to be great. So I thought it was like the perfect dinner to do for our first night. Oh, that sounds so much fun. Okay. All right. Keep keep taking me along. (laughs) So day one um, will be at Animal Kingdom. And we chose that park since my husband has to leave early for the day. Because we heard that that park you can usually do like in less than a day. So we're trying to not let him miss anything, basically. Is Animal Kingdom, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what it is because it's not part of California Disney. Oh, yeah, that's so true. Okay, so there are four parks in Disney. Okay, Magic Kingdom's the main one with Mm -hmm. the castle. There's Hollywood Studios, which is like where all the Star Wars stuff is. Okay. There's Epcot, which is around the world. and Then there's Animal Kingdom, which is like tons of animals and like interactive things there and more shows and stuff and a few rides. Okay, I'm going to jump in. And just for those who don't know, um, California for since the 1950s had just Disneyland, which is kind of equivalent to Magic Kingdom. I think it's Main Street and the castle and a lot of the same things there. And then when I was I want to say like a like a teenager, I'm going to say like late 90s, maybe. Um, they opened California Adventure, which is um, just across the parking lot. They're right. They're right next to each other. And California Adventure has bigger roller coasters and some different like updated movie characters and all of like just it's a, just a different vibe. And then when they started doing all the Star Wars stuff that went right into regular Disneyland. So it's it is bigger now, but it's still the same park. So if you're in Anaheim in California, your two parks are Disneyland and California Adventure. Um, and then they've added, I, I say it's like it's new, but it's probably 20 years old, um, <laughs> like downtown Disney with shops and restaurants. And none of that was even there when I was a kid. But it's a pretty it's a pretty nice part of it now as well. And that's like sh- like the shops and restaurants. And I think I think Orlando has all that. But Orlando is just bigger, more parks, more stuff, um, more, I think, on property hotels um, there's, there are a couple at Disneyland. So anyway, just for reference. Yeah. And they, Orlando has Disney Springs, which used to be downtown Disney. That's what it was when I went years ago. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's like a really built up shopping center with tons of restaurants and things to choose from there. So, so animal kingdom. Yes. So before I could really plan out my days, I had to learn some Disney terms that I was not familiar with whatsoever. (laughs) I swear I you could take like a master course in planning. I mean, I guess they do travel agents, right? (laughs) So I had to learn what rope dropping meant. Do you know what rope dropping means? Not at all. So it means to get into the park before it opens and get in line um, so that when they drop the rope or allow you to walk into the ride queue, Uh you're one of the first ones there. Okay. So right. there are blogs and podcasts and everything dedicated to like what's a good strategy in each park for rope dropping. And it's basically just so that you can ensure you get to ride like the rides that are the most important to you if they're really popular. Okay. Okay. 
So we're going to be doing Flight of Passage, which is an Avatar ride, which I'm really excited about. And then we have reservations for Tusker House, which is another character meal for breakfast. It's a big breakfast buffet. We thought it's a good way to start off the day. And then from there, we're just going to kind of wing it. It's a smaller park. We know we want to see some animals, see some shows. Um, We're not purchasing the extra Genie Plus for the day. We just thought this will be a more relaxed park to be in and just kind of enjoy the moment and not have to be on our phones a lot to play in. Do you have dinner plans that night? We don't. We're going to wing it, I think. Um, There's lots of good quick service places Mm -hmm. there. And where we're staying at the Swan, we're really close to like a boardwalk area that we can like pop into some quick service restaurants there if we want to head back. All right. Well, what's the next day? So the next day is a rest day. I would if I were able to choose it myself and it didn't have anything to do with my husband's work event. We would do another park that day, um, but we're going to spend the day at the pool and then head to Disney Springs and have dinner, just my in-laws and my children and I, at the Boathouse, which is apparently phenomenal food. People like rave that every time they go, they go there. So that's definitely something that we put on the list for the adults to enjoy. Let me ask a restaurant reservations question. If that one is... um outside the parks or in that Disney Springs like shopping area is the is the reservations window that 60 days is it the same for that stuff too it is okay yeah and you would be shocked like some of them go within the first hour that you're allowed to book for your 60 days out it's it's incredible really to think about is there anything else when you made dining reservations that you had to be you, other than the day that you wanted and the size of your party, of course, but like, is there anything else that you needed to know or like have ready? I'm thinking of like, is there like preference on indoor outdoor or like the type of menu or like, it, or is it just like, you're just locking in a table for six people on this day at this time? You're really just locking in a table. Yeah. Um, but a good strategy is to kind of add a few others in in case your plans change so that you have some secured and you can drop them later. Oh, that's true. So you are allowed to cancel without penalty if you need to. Yes, it's like I don't I think it's like 24 hours sure. or 2 days prior something like that. So you can't last minute cancel, right. but it does give you flexibility if you're like I think we're going to spend that entire day in that park and won't hop at all, but right. you never know. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, let's keep moving. Well, I'm really excited for Boathouse, but then we're going to call it a night early because the next day is Magic Kingdom. Okay. And I'm really hoping we make it the whole day from rope drop to fireworks, but I do have an eight and a four-year-old and some in-laws, so we will see how this goes. (laughs) And our first ride of the day, based off of reading some strategies, is to get on Seven Dwarfs Mine Train which is like a smaller roller coaster for kids. So my four-year-old can enjoy that one too. So I really wanted to make it something that we all could enjoy that morning. Okay. And then just really trying to get through most of the the well-known rides, I guess, and some of the smaller ones too. Like I want to take my son on Dumbo. Like who doesn't want to do that with their four-year-old? Yeah, of course. Um, and then is this a good time to ask about that? Um, genie genie plus, I know there are like entire blogs and podcast episodes, even just when I went, um, back to Disney, like a year ago, it was all new. It had changed from fast pass to genie. 
maybe is this a good time to give the listener like just the high level of what that is? And then did you guys decide to do any of that for Magic Kingdom? So I did do a lot of research about Genie Plus because back when I went, it was you got a certain amount of fast passes Mm -hmm. that came with your ticket, I guess, for the day. And you could choose those like time slots. And this is truly like you buy it the morning of or at midnight the night before. It can sell out if it's a busy time of year. So that's something to keep in mind. And you can schedule rides basically every two hours after the parks open. So we decided with Magic Kingdom having so many attractions that it would be worth it for Genie Plus that day. So we, I I do have my list of like Peter Pan's flight and Haunted Mansion and Space Mountain, like the bigger rides that, you know, get more crowded. I don't, I don't know why Peter Pan always has such a long line, at least in California it does. I'm like, what? (laughs) It doesn't seem to like match up, but yeah, that's how it was when we um, did Disneyland in 2022, I guess it was just a little over a year ago. Um, And yeah, it was good. We were there on a very, very crowded President's Day weekend. It was not only a President's Day weekend, but the um, mask mandate had just been lifted in California and it was right. We had gotten through like another COVID surge, but things were really good. Like numbers were really low in California. So it was like if you were going to go to Disneyland, it was going to be that weekend. I felt like everyone who had put off a Disney trip for the last like year and a half was there that weekend. Um, oh, and it did help to have that Genie Plus. It just helped with some planning. We still ended up with like so if you're not familiar, like you can grab reservation times, but then you still you're not waiting in line for two hours, but you still kind of then have two hours where you kind of got to kill time or Mm -hmm. strategically choose to have a snack, have a rest, go on this ride that only has like a 20 minute wait. And so I felt like it did a good job of creating benchmarks in our day. Like, okay, we know we're going to go back to space mountain at one 15, but like, what are we going to do between now and then? I don't know. It was not a perfect system, but it's better than waiting in line for two hours for sure. It really is, especially with young children. And if you only have one day in the park, yeah, I don't know how we would get through some of our must-dos without it, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then, Sarah, we are going to head to Cinderella's Royal Table in the castle in Magic Kingdom okay. to have lunch. And I am so excited about this. And I have to admit, I'm slightly embarrassed to say that we are doing this reservation because I want to do this. (laughs) So I have an eight-year-old and of course she's like, oh yeah, that's cool. We could eat at Cinderella's Royal Table, but like doesn't really care at the end of the day. Meanwhile, I'm like, yeah, we're doing it. We are going all in. (laughs) Is this inside the castle? Is it a restaurant? Because I think this is another Florida, California difference. We don't, you can go walk through parts of the castle and the castle of course is, is a main feature, but there's no eating in the castle, unless California people are going to be like, Sarah, you're forgetting something, but I don't think so. I think you're right. Um, But yeah, it is definitely a sit down, nice meal inside the castle. So you look out the stained glass windows, you see the rides like in the background and Cinderella and quite a few other princesses make an appearance and come over to your table and you can do photos and such. So this is this is one of those moments that I talked about where I didn't go as a child and I'm yeah. kind of living through my children. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, guys, this is a must do for me. Sorry. I love it. And it's also interesting that like my daughter is not as into the same things I am mm-hmm. at Disney. Like this is a good example of that where 
I'm like, what do you mean you don't want to get a photo with Princess Jasmine from Aladdin, right? Like, I lived on that movie. Yeah. So yeah. it's just, yeah. it's so funny. It shows my age, I suppose. <laughs> well, good for you for doing the thing that you want to do. I mean, that's what we tell moms on this show. Like, you also get to have fun. So go for it. So, yeah, I think we'll just do a bunch of stuff like that for the remainder of the day. And I do want to say I have a very picky toddler. So when it comes to food, he is just my daughter would eat anything from birth. Like she would request salmon and steak at age four. So she has been easy to travel with and go anywhere and find something. And my son is like French toast and pretzels, you know, like what am I going to do with him in the park? So (laughs) especially when you're paying a lot of money. I I yes. have to say like it's it's just so cringy to mm-hmm. pay like $12 for a kid's meal or whatever, $20 when you know that they're going to eat like three french fries. It's hard. Exactly. Yeah. So, I did kind of do a deep dive into some of the quick service and the snacks around the parks just to know like what he would actually enjoy too. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't have a cranky, you know, 4-year-old yeah. with us all day. Totally. <laughs> All right. So you're going to stick with Magic Kingdom through fireworks. Does that mean you have another like another meal planned or just like power through and eat whatever, whatever you find? We're going to power through and eat whatever we find. I think like my goal was to pick one sit down meal a day for the family. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. Get in out of the heat in the air conditioning, regroup a little bit. Um, But I I think that it would just feel longer if we did that multiple times throughout a day. So does that bring us to the next day for keeping track at home? It does. So then our next day is in Epcot. And most of the adults are the most excited for this park, um, which is probably not a surprise for anyone familiar with Disney World. But there are quite a few rides there. But really, some of the main attraction are the festivals that they have, the food festivals. Okay. So I'm not sure if they do that out in Disneyland. Do you do you know if no. they have like food fest? Probably no. not. And I think I don't. I know very little about Epcot. Okay, well, basically it's like there's some rides in the front area, and they all have like names for different lands as Disney usually does. But then in the back part of the park, it's like you're walking through the world. Okay. So I think there's like 12 different countries around the world that. You can go in and find restaurants, like sit-downs, quick service meals, shops, so okay. some shows that are relevant to different countries. So okay. it's it's really kind of neat. Um, yeah. And then throughout the year, they have different food festivals that okay. go on. And we will be there during Flower and Garden. Okay. So they have beautiful topiaries of different wow. characters. And it's just, it looks breathtaking. So I can't wait to see it in person. And there's some great rides for kids like Ratatouille and there's a frozen ride on a boat. So, yeah, it's definitely kid friendly. Um, But I will say that my in-laws and my husband are the most excited to eat and drink around the world. So that sounds really fun. Um, Are there adult beverages in Epcot? There are probably everywhere you look. And what about the other parks? Because this may also be a Florida, California difference. Are there adult beverages every in all the parks? Um, it's it's looking like there's lounges with adult beverages, okay. at least in all of them, except Magic Kingdom's really tailored, I think, more to children and just families. Yeah. So you can get adult beverages at like some of the sit down restaurants, but it's not as 
like there and in your face and like fun, cool drinks yeah. that they have in the other parks. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty low. Uh, cal- I, I don't have the latest because I think things have changed a little bit over time, but the both of the California parks, Disneyland and California Adventure have been, they're just not very focused on alcohol, which is totally fine. I think there's probably a lot of good reason for that, but um, it's different if you're on vacation with adults and that's part of how you think of vacation. It is different <laughs> if you're spending 12 hours at a place and yes. you can't get a beer. That's something to <laughs> consider if that's part of your family culture. So just interesting to think about. Yeah. So we're, we're definitely foodie people and we like to try out like new breweries and wineries as a family. So we're excited to kind of try different drinks and such from around yeah, the world. So that'll really be a fun. fun day for us. Yeah. Really fun. And there's a new ride there, Sarah. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy. <gasps> Yes, yeah, we but, have it in California Adventure and I you? went on it. So this is one thing I can actually Ooh, do tell. <laughs> well, so it's the really tall one, right? Like the tower. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was too scary for me. I went on it. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I like roller coasters. Um, I don't mind going fast. The, the sudden drops are, I hadn't done a ride like that in a really long time. Like since I was a teenager and even then it was like at Six Flags or something. I hadn't done kind of a tower of terror or that type of ride. And, um, I, I didn't like it, but I, I was, like I it. was outnumbered my family, especially my older two kids and my husband who like n- had watched guardians of the galaxy and like all of that, they loved it. So, you know, to each their own, when it comes to Disney, I, uh, we waited in a very long line for it cause it was new and, um, both Violet and I were, we did it, but we came out being like, nope, that's a hard pass. <laughs> <laughs> hard pass. Never again. Yeah. That's interesting, Sarah, because that I forgot. So guardians in Disneyland is like the tower of terror in Hollywood studios, but the guardians at Epcot is an indoor roller coaster. Oh, okay. So it's the same theme. Yeah. It's just a different setup for the ride. Got it. Got it. Interesting. But I've never done Tower of Terror. So I'm with you. I'm a little nervous about that. It's a different kind <laughs> of thrill. The, yeah. the like the bottom dropping out from under you feeling is very different than like the speed of a roller coaster or the spin. I don't mind um like I don't get super nauseous or dizzy. So I don't mind like spinny rides. It's just I think that is a physical thrill sensation. That is doesn't match up well for me. The bottom dropping out from under me. So. Yeah, we'll see. I I might be right there with you, so yeah. I'll have to definitely let you know. Oh my gosh! And then, um, do you have one more day after that? We do. So we are going to end our Disney Park days in Hollywood Studios, okay? Which is where Star Wars, the the mm-hmm. Galaxy's Edge, I think is yep. the correct term. Um. And that my husband and my daughter are so excited for this. Okay. They watch like all the series on Disney Plus. Yeah, so like do the my, Mandalorian. Yep, and, my husband and older two are have consumed all of it as well. Yeah. So they just can't wait to get in there and just kind of soak up all of that Star Wars theme. Um, and then there's also some other cool rides there, like Toy Story themed, which uh-huh. I think that my son and I will really enjoy. I'll do all of the rides, but. Yeah. I'm less excited about all the Star Wars than my husband and daughter. So I have to tell you, so Star Wars opened in California, I like right before the pandemic. And then it was kind of pandemic-y. And when we went a year ago, it was mostly Brian and Luke and Reed who were so into it and so excited. And Violet is so funny. She like, she loves when things look 
really aesthetically pretty or cool <laughs> or interesting. So she has such a design eye and so much of Disney is just really well designed. The flowers mm-hmm. are beautiful and the colors, everything is just visually beautiful. But you go to Star Wars land, which for us in California is part of Disneyland. It's kind of this new section in the back. And it looks like you crashed your spaceship on like a desert <laughs> planet and Violet Night. And, you know, with Disney, every touch is intentional. So everything from like the surface of the wall that you're next to while you're standing in line and the landscaping and everything is to the theme. So when you're in Star Wars land, it's like like Violet and I were looking around. <laughs> she's like, Mom, it just looks like a bunch of like old metal, like a junkyard with like ripped up clothes and dirt. Everything's dirty. And I'm like, I hear no, you, Violet. I hear like, you. <laughs> that's kind of what. And we like we walked back over to Fantasyland and we just both looked at each other. We're like, this is so much better. Like everything's pink and purple. So anyway, my Star Wars loving family loved it. And but at the same time, like it is it's so immersive that you're now immersed in something that doesn't look at all like what a lot of us think of as a Disney fantasy. So I just think that's funny. And that's not at all a negative, because if that is part of your world, then it's incredibly well done. It's like down to the detail. It's just that the details look like junkyard metal and ripped up. (laughs) They so do. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And it's it is. It's funny how everybody in your family just has different likes and dislikes. Yeah. And I don't I don't dislike it. But, yeah, it really doesn't do anything for me, kind of like you and Violet. Yeah. But yeah. because it is such a hit with our daughter, we um, decided to do get reservations. They have like a lounge area in the Star Wars land called Oga's Cantina, where you can get like really cool, neat drinks that mm-hmm. like glow and things like that alcoholic and non-alcoholic of course so we got reservations to do that because we thought our daughter would think that was really cool and then she's also going to build a droid nice that's really cool that's really cool we have um built lightsabers um like build your own lightsaber even before the main star wars area was open they started to but when disney had acquired the star wars you know ip then they started to have little star wars things throughout and um that's really cool that's really fun well, is it time for you to head home to Pennsylvania or there, is there a last it supper? <laughs> well, we are going to dinner that night. Um, this is probably the reservation I'm the least excited for, but it'll be neat. It's sci-fi dining. Okay. So it's like you're in an old like drive-in movie theater. Oh. So you eat in cars. Oh, which, that's kind of cool. Yeah. The theming is definitely on point, um, but it's going to be like dark in there they play like an old black and white movie so having two young ones I feel like they're just gonna want to crash yeah but they serve like burgers and fries and shakes so it'll be good like comfort food to end the trip yeah fill up our bellies before we watch the big nighttime fireworks and yeah head out the next day take off oh my gosh this was such a like a cool way to hear about all the planning that you've done. And I love hearing that. I mean, there's lots of room for spontaneity once you're there. So I know you feel like you've done a lot of planning, but you also like um, there's like who knows what will happen when you're at each of those parks. So I think this is so much fun. Yeah, we're so excited. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. 
Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. All right. So, Katie, we're going to swivel our chairs or something, some visual here (laughs) um, where you are going to ask me some questions about our Disney experiences. And maybe I'll be able to give you um, some of the more like parenting ish tips for managing all of this fun, because now you've done all of the travel planning, but you still have to be a mom to two little kids (laughs) at Disney, which I have done. And as we've discussed differently, but there's a lot of similarities. So how can I be of service to you as you get ready for your big trip? Well, Sarah, I think the biggest question on my mind is how in the world do I get these kids through a park for an entire day? Because as I had mentioned earlier, we have Hershey Park like in our backyard and we spend so much time there as a family. But because we do that, we just go for like two and three hour trips. We're not, you know, getting there at the beginning of the day and staying till night. So how, how do you get your kids through when you just schedule these day trips to Disney? Okay. Well, the honest truth is that we, when my kids were your kids ages, I don't think that we ever did a truly rope drop to fireworks full day. However, we did some very fully packed days. So I still feel like I can give some um, advice on this one, but I don't want to misrepresent that at ages four and eight, I don't think the Powers family ever went like 8 a.m. to midnight or 10 p.m. or anything like that. But uh, my my tips stand and maybe you'll just have better stamina um, than than we did. 
I think my first tip would be to anyone planning a major like amusement park day with your kids is people tend to overthink about their kids schedules. Like what time do they usually nap or like eat lunch or when are they going to be tired and when's their witching hour of melting down? I would recommend not neglecting to think about your own adult energy patterns as a mom, um, because I almost think that's more important. Your kids' schedules will probably get off anyway, and they're not going to predictably be who they are at Disney as the same as they are at home, but you are going to have to parent them. So like for me, I am best in the morning and we always were up really early um, getting there when they let people into the park. We always had like the things we wanted to do first thing. Um, and I know that I have a real energy slump, like two or three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, so I would, I would recommend thinking about your own and then the other adults too. Like if the grandparents are going to have trouble, maybe it's grandparents who need to go back for a rest in the afternoon so that they can be more help to you you know, as it gets dark and the kids are getting tired. So obviously just think of everybody's um, energy patterns and just not expect that people are going to be able to go, 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 go the entire day. You will have to have rests. I know you don't have to necessarily go back to the hotel, but we would sometimes like split off. And I mean, when Violet was really tiny, she might even take a nap like in the ergo carrier or in the stroller. I love those things. <laughs> I know. And I have such with, with the last baby, she stayed in it so long because she was because we were doing more older kid things. So she was like, I would still put her on my back when she was like three. Um, but we would like split off and she would have a rest in a stroller or just find like a shady corner and just even chill out for a little bit. Um, so I think making it all day requires that you have some downtime, even if it's in the park. And I do think it's possible to find little corners and little moments for quiet time in the park. Um, I know Disneyland has a really sweet little mother's lounge for if you have really little ones, this wouldn't be for you, Katie, but like for toddlers, like babies still in diapers and stuff, you can nurse your baby, change a diaper. And it's like really shady and pretty. And you can like retreat to that for a little bit. So, um, yeah, just taking rest throughout the day. Also, like, don't forget that every time you have to go to the bathroom, every time somebody wants just like a quick snack, like a frozen lemonade, my kids love the frozen lemonades, um, or a little like swing through a gift shop, a lot of your day will be taken up with things that are not probably on your list of like rides and attractions. Like a lot of the day is walking, walking from one end to the other or standing in line for something you didn't not a ride like a bathroom. Or um, like a churro stand or something. And I think as long oh, as you... churros. Those are the way to my heart for sure. I know. I love churros too. But just don't forget that all of that figures into your day. And I think if you go in knowing that, it's it feels less of like a time drain. Like there's a lot of your theme park day is sort of... Um, it's like it's in a limbo. It's like time limbo. You are not on a ride. You're not in line for a ride. You're not dining. You're sort of like in transit or in line. And that's just part of it. Like you take the good with the bad. And so I think also preparing kids for that too, that they're, they'll be standing in line a lot. Um, but if, if your kid wants to constantly be going through a gift shop or getting a snack, you might also want, um, a strategy for that. Like our next snack break is at this time, or we're going to do all of our gift shop shopping, um, like after nap or whatever. So I think that also helps pace the day. Cause otherwise you feel like you're there all day, but you're just constantly going from one uh, line to the next. 
when you just talked about all of the snacking, I could just see dollar signs adding up. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> and yeah. just thought I would add that we are planning to do like a grocery delivery service to get cool. some of our kids must-haves, like favorites that they, you know, will just chow down on whenever we are anywhere that are easy yeah. to throw in the backpack because... That's that's how kids do things, right? Yes. And I could see us standing in line constantly all day to get one little thing. So yeah, you know that's a great strategy. And when we were doing our day trips, we always had our own snacks and peanut butter sandwiches packed from home. And then then I think it's like a parenting choice if you want to say like, okay, there's one special treat today. Like it's you get to pick the ice cream cart or the churro cart, or maybe it's a budget. Um, as my kids have gotten older. What I did last time and it worked so well is we gave them a budget that included both souvenirs and snack foods and they could choose what they spent it on. But it meant that we bought meals, but they actually bought all of their own snacks or if they wanted like park snacks out of their souvenir money. And it was fascinating to see which of my kids prioritized food and consumables (laughs) and which ones like saved it all because they wanted a nice souvenir. And it was so great for me because those those frozen lemonades add up and the churros oh, yeah. add up. And that way I felt like, well, I've given you your budget and you, we don't have to subdivide it to food and non-food. It's all yours. You can buy a Lego set or you can buy 80 churros. Like, I don't I don't <laughs> care. And it was um, that worked really well for like tweens. Um, so that was mm-hmm. a good strategy for us. I could definitely see that working for my daughter. But, you know, the in-laws coming, that's a wild card. <laughs> yeah. That really is. But yeah. I mean, I can't control that. So nope, you can't. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you've mentioned that you've never done Disney world, but you have done Disneyland. Is there a reason that you've never like prioritized a trip over to world? You know, I mean, I think it's mostly geography. If I lived, if we lived somewhere in the middle of the country and it was going to be a plane ride either way, say I lived in Chicago or I lived in Phoenix or Dallas. If I was looking at an airplane ride in either direction, I think we'd go to Disney World. It just sounds like there's there's so much more and there's more for different ages. And however, it's it's really hard to justify the cost of flying five people. It's like as far as you can go. Like L.A. to Miami is like a five and a half hour flight versus like a two hour drive. So I think Mm -hmm. I have just lived in areas where it just geographically didn't make sense. Now, I will say my in-laws were are and were more East Coast folk. Brian grew up in Connecticut and then in Chicago. And all of my in-laws are have done the Florida thing. Um, and at times there were times where we talked about maybe doing a Florida meetup with that side of the family. And it still could happen. I mean, my kids are getting old, but they would not turn down a Disney trip. So <laughs> right. And I have a niece and nephew on Brian's side who are of like like your kids ages. Um, so it's not out of the question. I just think there's like a finite amount of time and money for travel in the world. And Florida is hard to get to for Californians and vice versa. And so to 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 prioritize that as a trip when um, we're so close to Disneyland has just not really made sense. But hearing you talk about it, I mean, I would never say that um, Disneyland California is better than Florida just doesn't sound like it is. It's I mean, there's a little more nostalgia, I think, because it's the original. And I think people sometimes get into that aspect of it. It's been there a really long time. But other than that, I think you empirically win Florida like it's it sounds (laughs) a lot better. But I we just haven't. Um, We have also talked about a Disney cruise. Cruises kind of went on the on the lower priority list in covid. But that was something my kids had expressed an interest in and that I also think would be a really fun way to experience Disney. And I've I've heard nothing but great things about Disney cruises. 
Yeah, me too. We've never done one. Um, we're not typically cruise people. We're not either. If we I did think that one, might though, be a fun way to yeah, do it. Me too. If we did one, I think that would be it. Well, what have you enjoyed the most about experiencing Disney and maybe the least? Like what? I guess I just want to hear perspective from another mom. Yeah, I think I was surprised the very first time we took our own kids. They were two, five and seven, probably. I think it was Violet's second birthday or two, four and six. Um, I did not expect to feel almost a little emotional walking in the main gates and walking up Main Street in Disneyland. I had not been since I was a teenager. So from about age 18 to 34, I had not been. And I am not, I don't identify as like a hardcore Disney person. I'm like somewhere in the middle. I'm not anti-Disney, but I'm definitely not like, like a capital D Disney adult person. And so for that (laughs) reason, I just didn't think like that I would experience this like nostalgia mixed with like emotion and kind of magic. But I, I did when I walked in those like front gates and the music is playing and the like walk up main street to the main little circle with the castle. I just, it was magical and I didn't expect that. And that was one of like, and it really happened almost every time we went in those years um, when we were living nearby and would bring our kids and they were at such fun ages. Um, I loved seeing characters and seeing my kids see characters again. I didn't really expect, I mean, my kids had seen, I don't know, like the Easter bunny dressed up at a Easter egg <laughs> hunt. And they'd seen like, I'm trying to think of what else, like you go to an event and there's like a character dressed up as something. So I didn't think it would be that different to have it be Disney characters at Disneyland. Cause it's not like they'd never seen um, something dressed up in a costume before, but there was some, there's something so weirdly real about it when you're in that environment. And I think that's what the hardcore Disney folks would say that Disney does so well is it's so immersive that it somehow feels real in a weird way. And to have my kids, Violet was just two and she loved Minnie and just like to, that look on your kid's face with, it feels like they're meeting a celebrity is just, it's just great. I know it's like, it sounds like it would be overrated, but it was one of my favorite parts. Um, on the on like the planner mom side of things, I really enjoyed like gearing up for our Disney days, even though they weren't as ex- extensive as what you're doing. It was really fun for me to think about like every time we went, my kids were a year older or they were into a new character or there was a new ride. And so I did really enjoy the planning. I enjoyed the like, OK, we're going to get there at this time. This time we're going to park in this garage and we're going to hit this first. And so there's um. Like you and I are both planners and there's a oh, satisfaction yeah. <laughs> that you get out of out of doing that. So I I really liked that um, in terms of, I think, least favorite um, the the money, the feeling that money is like being sucked out of your bank account. <laughs> That's a really great way of putting is, it. <laughs> um, it's like. And it's emotionally draining, even if you've budgeted for it. And I don't know how mm-hmm. to explain it, but it's um, it's one thing for the tickets, like the tickets and for you, the flights and the hotel, like, you know, that that is that's part of it. That's what you've invested in this experience for your family. But it's like what we were when we were talking about the snacks and and the little gifts and the the charge here for this. And there's um, it, that's hard for me. I think it's a personality thing. And I. I wish I was someone who could just like once we agreed we were going to spend this, then just let the emotional side of it go, because we've if we've decided this is in the budget, then I should just be able to enjoy it. But that part I'm just admitting is a little hard. 
for me. Um, and then I also think like I don't um, do well. Longtime listeners will know this. Sarah does not do well with heat, crowds, <laughs> heat and crowds mostly. Those are the so big amusement two. parks. Amusement yeah, amusement parks, parks in general. <laughs> um, mostly, actually, weather has a huge amount to do with it. I can I can do a lot better in lines and crowds if I'm not also hot. Um, and so that works its way into our strategy that I'll, I'll talk about a little bit later about when we've decided to go. But, um, I am just always fighting a little bit of my natural tendencies when I'm at an amusement park. That said, I think I, I figured out a way for it, that it was fun for me as we did it more and more. Um, but I'm still me, right? Like I'm still someone who doesn't like crowds, lines, um, and being hot. So (laughs) there you go. (laughs) Well, I can definitely like say I hear you on the whole hot and lines and crowds thing. So this should be an interesting yeah. week for us. Yeah, yeah. But I'm hoping, you know, I'm going to try to like channel the inner, like just let it go and be in the moment and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> well, you touched a little bit on this earlier and I think I might know your answer to this, but how would you describe your theme park approach? Like get there at open and stay until close or get in and get out? So I'm going to back up one other level and talk about time of year because not everybody has a choice um, in in terms of like when to plan your Disney trips. You might be dealing with school breaks or work mm-hmm. breaks. However, I I love off season Disney. So for California, that is January and February, basically from after the holidays, after everyone goes back to school, January 3rd, 4th, 5th, something like that. Through like President's Day, if you can skip President's Day, maybe even through the end of February and like before the spring breakers start, the weather is cool and the crowds are low. So my Disney strategy actually starts before you talk about time of day with time of year and that going back to I don't love to be hot. I would rather have like be a little chilly or even we've done it in the rain or like where we you know are planning around a little bit of California winter rain. Um, because the crowds are so much lower and the weather's better for me because I just don't, everything feels hotter when you're standing in a line. It's one thing to want 80 degrees for the pool or the beach, but you don't want 80 degrees on the, on the asphalt when you're waiting in line, like that, it feels like a hundred degrees. So that is my first strategy. And that has, that made it made all the difference. Almost every time we went, we went a lot in January, late January or early February, Violet's birthday is January 21st. And it sort of became like a de facto tradition. We used to tell our kids that they could have a day at Disney instead of a a friend party. And for a lot of years that worked. Um, and we we've gone at other times as well, but I'm a big fan of strategically choosing your time of year if you can. And then to your question, um, we just are an early rising family. So that's always felt easiest for us. That's, um, I'm best when I'm like freshly caffeinated and I'm, I'm like a good amusement park mom. First thing in the morning, I can spot the, like spot the, the cord drop it. What did you call it? The rope drop. Rope like, dropping. <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's go. Let's head over here. And I'm like, I'm good at, at, um, adding good energy, not just like bossy mom energy, but excitement. Like that's where I excel. I do not excel in the late afternoon and evening. And I know that about myself. So we would always get there at opening. Um, when we get in the park, we, or usually before the park, like the night before the, that morning, we would discuss like everybody's like pick one, like must do for each family member. And even if it takes us all day, we can promise you will do like your top thing today for sure. Um, and so that kind of helps us plan the day um, and helps the kids know that if if 
all else fails, they're going to get their one ride that's a must do. And I will say that because we were able to go more often, it did ratchet down the expectations a little bit of like, if they didn't get to do Space Mountain three times every single time, there was always next year. That's a little different than if you're doing like a once in a lifetime trip to Disney and they're not going to go for 10 years. So there's, there's pros and cons there. Um, Another strategy that we kind of stumbled into is having our meals at like off times. Now I know you've done like a lot of your sit down reservations in advance, but we sometimes we had we did a character breakfast at Disneyland a couple of times where we had a reservation. And even then we would make the reservation for like 1045 or some weird time where most people weren't having breakfast or lunch. And when, since we'd hit the park really early, if we were in there at eight or eight thirty, whenever the they used to call it magic mornings where you could go like a half hour early, whatever. We were there with bells on when we were allowed to be. And usually like two hours would be a good amount of time where we could push through and get a lot done with low crowds in that first two hours. And then we would have basically like a late breakfast slash early lunch, which was also nice because the restaurants didn't feel as crazy because other people were not having their meal at that time. And then the same true for lunch, like maybe a two o'clock lunch or a three o'clock lunch. So that kind of worked out well for us um, in terms of pacing the day. That sounds like a great plan. I'm definitely going to keep that in mind when we don't have some of our reservations and try to make it through, do some of the bigger rides in the morning with the lower crowds and then do like a late breakfast. I love that idea. Or you could always have like, you could have like a snack at lunchtime and then a big lunch at three o'clock. I don't know. I'm a big fan of like whatever the crowds seem to be doing, do the opposite. Do the opposite. (laughs) Do the opposite of that. That's like my general strategy. So not always possible, but I've learned that about you over yeah. the years of listening yeah. to this uh-huh. podcast, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> How about some advice for managing expectations as a mom? So I mentioned about some of my favorite Disney characters or some of the princesses that I grew up with, like Cinderella, but my children really have had a different experience with Disney. So do you have any advice for me on just kind of letting go of those expectations, yeah. of, you know? Like what, like what you think the kids will love and then versus what you want them to love. And I don't want to be disappointed. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you are doing a great thing by really clarifying the Disney experience that you personally want to have as a mom in your thirties versus like what is going to be fun for your kids. So I think you've kind of already done that work. Um, I just would be willing to be surprised. I would recommend being willing to be surprised at both ends. Um, So the thing your kid has looked forward to, like, let's say it's a stormtrooper, the thing your kid has looked forward to seeing for months, and maybe they've watched YouTube videos about it, and they're like talking about it nonstop. You could get to Disney, they could see the stormtrooper and start crying because it's way bigger than they thought. (laughs) Or be like, that's so dumb. That's just a guy in an outfit. I thought it was going to be way better. So there there will be um, expectations totally unmet for both your kid and for your expectation of your kid expectations. Like, but for every one of those, there will be something that blows their mind that neither of you expected. So it's almost like it in the end, minds will be blown, but not maybe by the thing that everybody thinks. And that's just that's just how it goes. Um, I love that so much. Yeah. We as parents, we, we ratchet up our kids expectations so much because we get excited by their excitement. So if they want to mm-hmm. meet a stormtrooper, all of a sudden we're finding them all the YouTube videos and we keep talking about it. And sometimes I think that can that can be to the detriment because really like 
we don't know how awesome it's going to be. Maybe the whole Star Wars area is closed for maintenance on the day that you go. Like that kind of stuff does happen. And so I, I would say that as you lead up to your trip, maybe check yourself a little bit. Of course, you want your kid to be excited. And of course, you want to nurture that that fun anticipation in them. But you may also say things like, there's so much we don't know that we're going to see. And every once in a while, plans change, and that's okay, too. And you can work in some of that expectations management language as your kid anticipates, because there will be disappointments. Like, their favorite character will be, like, not where you thought they were going to be, or the line will be too long, or their sibling will start throwing up, and you'll have to head back to the hotel. Like, all that stuff will happen. Um, But at the same time, like I said, something will just completely blow their mind, and that to witness that is so fun. And you might not even know what that is yet. And it might even just be the four-year-old playing in the pool at the resort. Yeah, it's like exactly. his most treasured memory of the trip. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, Violet loved Minnie Mouse. I think I mentioned, and we waited in line for, it seemed like a really long time to walk through Minnie's house in Toontown. I don't know if any that of the, sounds adorable. Yeah, it's really cute. It's basically like a mini village of Toontown and you can walk through different characters houses and they're all made of this kind of like hard plastic, almost like playground equipment. Hmm. OK, anyway, we waited in line to walk through Minnie's house and Violet was so excited. And Minnie is then in the backyard sometimes. So you can walk through Minnie's house and then also meet Minnie um, at the end. And, and we waited for so long and she got in the kitchen And there was this like animatronic cake in the oven where the oven would, it looked like a cake was rising and then it would fall. And she, it scared her for some reason, this, this cake that by itself was rising and falling. And she was in tears. She was really little, like two. Um, But the whole time she had just wanted to go in Minnie's house, Minnie's house, Minnie's mouse. And then she was afraid by a cake. And like, there's (laughs) no way to know that ahead of time. Like you are not going to be able to plan for the things that either wow your kids or disappoint them. But I, if I remember right, I don't even think she could really meet Minnie because she was too upset, like by the cake. And we still talk about that. Like she'll even say, remember when I was afraid of cake and the Minnie's cake. And later we went back other years and of course she was fine, but you just don't know. So expectations um, will be met and not met and overperformed and underperformed. And that's just part of it. Well, thanks for that, Sarah. I really (laughs) feel prepared to go into my week of setting expectations for myself, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, well, it's almost time to wrap, but I did want you to be able to shout out some of the resources that helped you in your planning. And then if we forget to mention any, we'll also link these up in the show notes and I'm sure we'll talk about them in the Facebook group and all that. So are there any, um, go-to resources that you want to mention before we wrap? Yeah. So, I did all of this planning without a travel agent, like I said, because my husband's work event. So I really leaned on some of these resources and found just them to be so helpful Um, for people who enjoy podcasts, which can't imagine this group would, right? (laughs) But um, Rope Drop Radio is a really great one. It's two dads that are very, you know, I would call them Disney adults Uh at this uh point. Um, They offer great strategies around what should be some of your first rides in the morning. If you use Genie Plus, what are the ones worth using it for? And some strategies there. And then Addicted to the Mouse is another podcast. And they also have like a blog and things where they do a lot of dining reviews. Okay. And I really enjoyed that to kind of help me figure out some of our must-dos because it can be very overwhelming trying to figure out if you're not familiar with Disney. 
And then just some vlogs and videos on YouTube. Like I'd recommend just pulling up YouTube and Googling the rides at the amusement parks and letting your kids kind of just say, that looks really neat. Or I really want to do that one. That really helped me kind of gauge, okay, what should some of our must do's be? I like that idea. That's great. And then there's just a ton of other things, but really lean on some of your friends who have been there recently with children because they will tell you priceless advice, like buy $2 ponchos at Target and take them with you so you don't spend $20 on them in the park. That is really smart. Yeah. And um, another thing I would add is um, if you're in the like month or so prior to your visit, Download the Disney app because all the apps or maybe there's more than one app, but the last few times for us, it's been the app and making sure you have the app on your phone. You know how to log in. Um, You can also let your kids browse around on the app because it'll show you like get used to looking at what the wait times are and like Mm -hmm. how to eat. When we went to Disney post COVID, um, there was even like placing food orders had been changed from the last time. So things change. If you've been to Disney and you're going again after a year or two, things change. And I think having the Disney app on your phone a few weeks ahead of time helps. And then I have also done the thing where I follow like Disney influencers on Instagram, just temporarily in the like week before I go, because sometimes there, this is a California specific, but there's like a lot of like Disney mom Instagram accounts that I'm not going to follow them year round, but things can change so often that it was helpful to see like, Oh, what ride is like closed for renovations right now? And what are they like, what are they talking about or doing with their kids? Like literally right now? Cause with, with vlogs and blogs and even podcast episodes, it's, I'm sure you can get really good strategies, but you also could run into some potentially out of date info. So, um, your influencers are your friends. If they're like there right now and you're going next month, you're going to get some, um, probably some even more insider stuff. And they're also entertaining. Yeah, some of them do such a great job making some reels about it. Yeah, totally. Um, Well, Katie, thank you for sharing all this. And I feel like we have to um, hear a report back. So you're going in late April. Um, We'll either have you back on the podcast maybe sometime this summer or we'll do a write up on the blog. So stay tuned if you're listening to this and already that time has passed. Um, Stay tuned because we'll definitely find a way to um, have Katie recap the trip and hear how it all went. And then speaking of more, um, more content in this general area, um, Katie Parrish on our team is headed to Florida, as is Megan, um, as part of a partnership with Visit Florida. Um, Katie and her kids are going to Disney, um, and they're going to be talking about that, Megan and Katie, on the podcast later in April and May. More about um, their Florida excursions as a whole and less Disney-specific but there, there's definitely some Disney in there too. So stay tuned for some more um, Florida and Disney content later in April and early May. And then Katie, we'll just have to have you back because we need to hear how Cinderella's um, like dinner, I mean, lunch at Cinderella's castle was. I need, I need to know. So thank you so much for, for coming and sharing all this today. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for listening to The Mom Hour. Everything we talked about in today's episode is available at themomhour.com. And hey, while you're there, you can find more than 500 podcast episodes, plus articles, playlists, and resources about motherhood and parenting at every stage. And if you like today's episode, we'd love it if you would take a minute to share the show with another mom in your life. You can also find us on Instagram at The Mom Hour, chatting and interacting with listeners between episodes. Thanks for being here, friends. We'll talk to you soon. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. 
Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by The Essential Calendar. Sarah, this is our favorite calendar for busy moms because its beautiful and simple design shows around three months at a time. Yeah, and with summer fast approaching, now is a great time to get the essential calendar and see what I've been raving about all these years. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash the mom hour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash the mom hour.